Hello, listeners. If you are enjoying this podcast without commercial interruption and are financially able, please consider supporting our effort. To contribute, go to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. Thanks. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Can I feel out? Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? When that baby lights, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Listen, uh... Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode number 356 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 16, Climb to Orbit. During the exciting climb to orbit of Apollo 16, we are fortunate enough to have eyewitness primary source commentary from Charlie Duke and John Young. I will periodically interrupt the audio for their comments during the first playback, and then I will play it back uninterrupted. Most of the comments were from Duke, as this was his first mission. T-minus 60 seconds. The closer they got to liftoff, the faster Duke's heart beat. T-minus 30 seconds. Duke's heart was really pounding now, and his palms were sweating, like the big game was about to start. T-minus 20 seconds. T-minus 10 seconds. We were really going to go, thought Duke. 17. Guidance release. 15. 14. 13. 12. 11. 10. Thump! The spacecraft shook as the huge 30-inch valves opened to feed fuel into each of the five main engines. T-minus 8 seconds. Ignition! We have ignition, radioed the launch director. The astronauts heard a muffled roar from the huge engines below as they gulped down fuel at about 4,500 gallons per second. As the engines built up thrust for liftoff, Duke felt a tremendous vibration, and the spacecraft began to shake. He was startled. Why was it shaking so hard? What in the world was happening? There had to be something wrong with that thing. He didn't recall any briefing to expect this, this violent vibration as they sat on the launch pad. John was saying, we're go. The cape was saying, we're go. Equipment was indicating go. And yet Duke was just sitting there shaking like crazy, thinking, this thing can't fly. It's going to shake itself to pieces. The engine's now building up to 7.7 million pounds of thrust. We have a launch commit and we have a liftoff. The swing arms moving back. The Saturn V lifting off the power. Alpha pad building up thrust. Four, three, two, one, liftoff. The launch control computer sent the signal to release the hydraulic pressure from the hold-down arms 
and the mighty Saturn V slowly started moving off the pad like a big elevator. Duke was exuberant. He was on his way. He got his chance. There was no turning back now. Duke's heartbeat was 144 beats per minute at liftoff, yet John's was at 70. It was exciting, but John had seen it all before. I found out from the flight surgeon later on that my heartbeat was 144 uh, at liftoff. John's was 70. Yeah. Well, I told him, I said, mine is too old to go any faster. Yeah. The crew felt the Saturn V's 1.5G liftoff. Man, we're on our way, Duke shouted. You go, go, Mattingly chimed in. It sure ain't what I expected. It's like a freight train, yelled Charlie. Man, we're right on, Young answered. The astronauts were on their way, and the only thing that could stop them now was a catastrophic failure. Young concentrated on his instruments and his job at hand. At liftoff, he had started two stopwatches to time them through the launch sequence. Y'all program, John acknowledged as the autopilot maneuvered the Saturn V. The vehicle was directed to move sideways away from the launch tower to reduce the chance of tower collision. Tower cleared, radioed launch control. Now communication shifted from Kennedy Space Center to Mission Control in Houston, and Duke heard the Capcom say, You are go, Apollo 16. Roll program, announced John. The vehicle started to turn around its long axis so that they would be head down during ascent. Pitch program, the spacecraft started to pitch over to begin accelerating downrange. They were still shaking like crazy, and now Duke could feel this pitch sensation. John was yelling, go, and Capcom was yelling, go, and Duke felt like, we're going to go. We're going to go right into the Atlantic Ocean. It felt like they were pitching over onto their heads and diving back toward the Atlantic, but the instruments showed they were right on track. Everybody was dead serious. They were each concentrating on their task and whatever they had to do to get this beauty into orbit. Duke could feel the slow buildup in G-forces and knew they were getting faster. The acceleration was slow at first, but now, as the engines consumed the fuel in the first stage, they really accelerated. Just past one minute into the flight, they broke the sound barrier. At this point, they were also at maximum dynamic pressure, or max Q. 
which put great stress on the vehicle. But they sailed on through with no problem. Young called out, I believe this baby's going up. after liftoff, they were accelerating at four and one-half Gs. Capcom gave a go for center engine shutdown. The G level dropped to four as shutdown occurred, then built again to four and a half Gs. To Duke, it was like being on a runaway freight train. He glanced over at Ken in the center couch. Duke could see his intense concentration. He was the ultimate grim-jawed, steely-eyed fighter pilot. Duke could not see John, but he knew he was the same. Two minutes, 29 seconds into the flight. 16, you are go for staging, announced Capcom. Staging. The first stage shut down. The remaining four engines shut down simultaneously and instantly. The spacecraft rattled as they suddenly went from four and a half Gs to zero Gs. It was like traveling at 5,000 miles per hour and hitting a wall. Duke had known what to expect and had reached out with his right hand to brace himself against the instrument panel. It seemed like they had stopped, but of course they hadn't. It just was they were no longer accelerating. To Young, the noise levels were the same as he had heard on Apollo 10. When the S-1C first stage shut down, they got the same four-cycle unloading of the S-2 stage that he remembered moving them up and down in their seats on Apollo 10. The engines had now burned up 4.5 million pounds of fuel. They were traveling about 5,000 miles per hour and were at 35 miles in altitude. Duke turned around and took his first look out the hatch window, which was over his left shoulder. He could see all the debris as the first stage was separated and blown away from the spacecraft. This was the only window that they could see through. The other four windows were still shaded by the protective cover so that they would not be scarred by atmospheric particles while they accelerated into orbit. Two seconds later, the second stage ignited. It was not a violent ignition. It was as smooth as glass. All of the vibration had stopped when the first stage shut down. From that point on, it was like skating on ice for the first couple of minutes. But then, 
they noticed a high-frequency vibration that continued until about nine minutes after liftoff. Mark, two minutes, three seconds of status check and mission control by Flight Director Gene Kranz at Go No Go for staging. Coming up on center engine shutdown. You're on board, you're go for staging. Center engine shut down on time. Two minutes, 28 seconds, 26 nautical miles in altitude, to 32 nautical miles downrange. Two minutes, 35 seconds. Two minutes, 40 seconds, coming up on staging. seconds, a normal staging, a young Duke Mattingly now riding on five good second stage engines. Go on all five on the S2. Three minutes, two seconds, the giant first stage falling away now, it's a day's work completed. Apollo 16 now, 46 nautical miles in altitude, 80 nautical miles downrange. Three minutes, 20 seconds into the flight. Tower jettison, John reported as he flipped the jettison switch. The launch escape tower separated with a roar and with it, the protective covering over the rest of the windows. Duke looked up out his overhead window. Man, we're really up here, he reported. They were already at 65 miles altitude and traveling about 10,000 feet per second or 6,818 miles per hour. Their heads were pointed down toward the Atlantic Ocean and as far as the eye could see was the crystal blue ocean beneath them. There wasn't much sensation of movement because the ocean looked all the same and effectively drowned out the feeling of speed. As Duke glanced away from the ocean toward the horizon, the deep crystal blue of the water turned into the paler blue of the atmosphere. Then the pale blue faded into the whitish color of the upper atmosphere and eventually disappeared into the blackness of space. Fantastic, look at that sight. The beauty was absolutely overwhelming. They began to jabber over the intercom. Hey, Gordy, you ought to see that horizon. Just gorgeous, Duke exclaimed over the radio to Capcom Gordon Fullerton. Duke was now experiencing a great feeling of exhilaration and also a sense of relief. They had passed through the first critical phases of flight liftoff and staging, and were on their way. The real thing had seemed like a piece of cake compared to their simulations. By this time in their sims, they were usually holding the thing together with gray tape because everything was broken. But now things were great. The vehicle was flying flawlessly. Duke had looked forward to this day for six years, ever since he was selected to be an astronaut back in 1966. He couldn't help feeling that he had finally made it. He had finally achieved the ultimate, his dream. Coming up on skirt step and uh, tower jettison. Roger. Tower jettison. Roger, and uh, we confirm your skirt step, your mode two now. Roger, mode two. Three minutes, 28 seconds. The launch escape tower is ejected on time. 
It's uh, surveillance roll no longer required. Steering has converged, uh, CMC is go. Roger. Mark, three minutes, 45 seconds. Apollo 16, now 62 nautical miles in altitude, 135 nautical miles downrange. Apollo 16, now 33 feet shorter and 9,000 pounds lighter. Unencumbered now for its mission in space. 16, Houston, four minutes. Everything looks great down here. Roger, it looks good up here, too. Hey, Cordy, you ought to see that horizon. Just gorgeous. Mark, four minutes, ten seconds. 70 nautical miles in altitude, 170 nautical miles downrange. Velocity now reading 10,600 feet per second. Mark, uh, 4 minutes 30 seconds in mission control. Trajectory data driving right down the middle of our plot boards as expected. Uh, right now, flight path data is go. Mark, 4 minutes 45 seconds, 76 nautical miles in altitude, 220 nautical miles downrange. Mark, 5 minutes 10 seconds. Uh, still good performance on all five second stage engines. Second stage shutdown predicted at 9 minutes, uh, 19 seconds. 16 Houston, times are nominal. Level sense will be 8 plus 3, 7, and cut off at 9-er plus 1-9-er. Roger. Mark, 5 minutes, 40 seconds. Another status check in mission control by Flight Director Gene Krantz. His console is coming up all greens. Uh, looking good at this time. Bye for S4B to COI capability. Mark, you have it now. Roger. Coming up on six minutes uh, with uh, Capcom Gordon Fullerton reporting that 16 capable of reaching a minimum orbit with a good third stage and service module engines. We're at uh, six minutes, eight seconds. Uh, Apollo 16, 88 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 380 nautical miles downrange. Mark, six minutes, 30 seconds. Velocity now reading uh, 14,880 feet per second. Altitude, uh, 90 nautical miles for Apollo 16. Downrange distance, uh, 440 nautical miles. Stand by for S4B to orbit. Mark, you have it now. Roger. Six minutes, 50 seconds. Delta 40. Roger, Charlie. Young Duke Mattingly now told that they can reach orbit if given a good third stage. Mark, seven minutes, uh, 91 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 496 nautical miles downrange. Mark, seven minutes, 15 seconds, 16 flying almost parallel over the ocean now with the young crew in a pitched down position. Uh, really moving out now for downrange distance. We show Apollo 16, uh, 551 nautical miles downrange. Velocity now reading 17,527 feet per second. Coming up on center engine shutdown. Roger, inboard. Center engine shutdown on time. Seven minutes, 50 seconds. 92 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 620 nautical miles downrange. Still showing stable thrust on the other four engines. Uh, they've got about a minute to go in uh, burn time remaining. 16 at 8 minutes. Looking good here. PU shift. Mark, uh, 8 minutes, uh, 25 seconds. Dean Houston, we saw the PU shift. Thrust looks good, and your go for staging. Roger. 8 minutes, 35 seconds. Apollo 16, now 93 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 756 nautical miles downrange. Full sense arm now. Roger. That uh, terse response uh, from uh, Apollo 16 Commander John Young. Uh, we're at uh, 8 minutes, 52 seconds. Apollo 16, now 807 nautical miles downrange, 92 nautical miles in altitude. Velocity now reading uh, 21,642 feet per second. Stand by for mode 4 capability. Mark, you have mode 4 now. Okay, there was uh, S2 shutdown. Roger. 
And we have an S-4B ignition. Mark, down minus 30 seconds. This is good on the S-4B. Roger. The uh, young crew has used up two-thirds of their Saturn stages on the way to orbit. Uh, we see good performance on the third stage, the S-4B. That uh, Mode 4 report says Apollo 16 can achieve orbit on spacecraft power only. Nine minutes, uh, 50 seconds, Apollo 16, 93 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 1,011 nautical miles downrange. Velocity now reading at 23,654 feet per second. Mark, uh, 10 minutes, 18 seconds, a status check in mission control uh, for orbit. Uh. Apollo 16, Houston, you're go for orbit. Predicted cutoff, 11 plus 49. Roger, 1149. They were 10 minutes into the flight and getting ready to enter Earth orbit. Their eyes were glued to the displays in front of them. All systems were being controlled by a computer in the instrument unit on the S-4B. They monitored the engine for a nominal shutdown at the proper velocity. They were prepared to engage a manual shutdown if they saw any overburn. Thump! Shutdown! Right on time! The third stage engine shut down automatically to insert them into orbit at 95 by 90 nautical miles altitude and 17,453 miles per hour. 16 Houston, the orbit is go. Capcom confirmed that they were in perfect orbit. Roger, boy, it's just beautiful up here looking out the window, exclaimed John. It's just really fantastic, and the thing worked like a champ. Apollo 16, Houston, your go for orbit. Uh, predicted cutoff, 1-1 one, one plus 4-9-er. Roger, 1149. Mark, 10 minutes, 40 seconds. A predicted time of shutdown, 11 minutes, uh, 49 seconds. Apollo 16, now 93 nautical miles in altitude, 1,192 nautical miles downrange. Mark 11 minutes, uh, showing a buildup in velocity now, reading uh, 24,621 feet per second and accelerating. Mark 11 minutes, 10 seconds. Velocity now reading uh, 24,887 feet per second. 98% of the desired speed uh, for insertion into orbit. Less than 20 seconds now from time of shutdown. Mark 11 minutes, 40 seconds. Apollo 16, now 1,400 nautical miles downrange. Zico, right on. That was shut down uh, right on the money. Pitch one is coming off. Roger. Mark, uh, 12 minutes, 25 seconds. Houston, the range safety system is safe. The orbit is go. Roger, boy, it's just beautiful up here looking out the window. It's just really fantastic. And the uh, thing worked like a champ. Sure did. Here we copy now 62, and uh, your orbit by radar is 95 by 90. Mark, uh, 12 minutes, 54 seconds. That enthusiastic report from orbit was from spacecraft commander John Young. Apollo 16 in uh, what appears to be a safe orbit. Uh, preliminary numbers show a 94, or 95 nautical miles by 90 nautical miles. The uh, Saturn V, once again, an apparent victor in its uh, tug-of-war struggle uh, with the Earth's uh, forces of gravity. We're at uh, 13 minutes, uh, 20 seconds ground elapsed time, and Apollo 16 is in orbit. Now, I'm going to play the uninterrupted version. If you don't want to hear this version, feel free to skip ahead about 10 minutes. 17, guidance release. 15, 14, 13, 12, 
11, 10, 9. We have ignition sequence start. The engine's now building up to 7.7 .7 million pounds of thrust. We have a launch commit and we have a liftoff. The swing arm moving back. The Saturn V lifting off the power. Alpha pad building up thrust. We clear the tower. Houston is now controlling. Oh, you have good thrust in all five. Roger. Engine roll program started. Good. Roger. 16 now maneuvering to its proper uh, flight path attitude. Mark 27 seconds.
Apollo 16, now 62 nautical miles in altitude, 135 nautical miles downrange. Apollo 16, now 33 feet shorter and 9,000 pounds lighter. Unencumbered now for its mission in space. 16, Houston, four minutes. Everything looks great down here. Everything looks good up here, too. Hey, Gordy, you ought to see that horizon. Just gorgeous. Mark, four minutes, ten seconds. 70 nautical miles in altitude, 170 nautical miles downrange. Velocity now reading 10,600 feet per second. Mark, uh, 4 minutes 30 seconds in mission control. Trajectory data driving right down the middle of our plot boards as expected. Uh, right now, flight path data is go. Mark, 4 minutes 45 seconds, 76 nautical miles in altitude, 220 nautical miles downrange. Mark, 5 minutes 10 seconds. Uh, still good performance on all five second stage engines. Second stage shutdown predicted at 9 minutes, uh, 19 seconds. 16 Houston, times are nominal. Level sense will be 8 plus 3, 7, and cutoff at 9-er plus 1-9-er. Roger. Mark, 5 minutes, 40 seconds. Another status check in mission control by Flight Director Gene Krantz. His console is coming up all greens. Uh, looking good at this time. Bye for S4B to COI capability. Mark, you have it now. Roger. Coming up on six minutes uh, with uh, Capcom Gordon Fullerton reporting that 16 capable of reaching a minimum orbit with a good third stage and service module engines. We're at uh, six minutes, eight seconds. Uh, Apollo 16, 88 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 380 nautical miles downrange. Mark, six minutes, 30 seconds. Velocity now reading uh, 14,880 feet per second. Altitude, uh, 90 nautical miles for Apollo 16. Downrange distance, uh, 440 nautical miles. Stand by for S4B to orbit. Mark, you have it now. Roger. Six minutes, 50 seconds. Delta 40. Roger, Charlie. Young Duke Mattingly now told that they can reach orbit if given a good third stage. Mark, seven minutes, uh, 91 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 496 nautical miles downrange. Mark, seven minutes, 15 seconds, 16 flying almost parallel over the ocean now with the young crew in a pitched down position. Are really moving out now for downrange distance. We show Apollo 16 to 551 nautical miles downrange. Velocity now reading 17,527 feet per second. Coming up on center engine shutdown. Roger, inboard. Center engine shutdown on time. Seven minutes, 50 seconds. 92 nautical miles in altitude. 620 nautical miles downrange. Still showing stable thrust on the other four engines. Uh, they've got about a minute to go in uh, burn time remaining. 16 at 8 minutes. Looking good here. PU shift. Mark, uh, 8 minutes, uh, 25 seconds. 16 Houston, we saw the PU shift. Thrust looks good, and your go for staging. Roger. 8 minutes, 35 seconds. Apollo 16, now 93 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 756 nautical miles downrange. Full sense arm now. Roger. That uh, terse response uh, from uh, Apollo 16 Commander John Young. Uh, we're at uh, 8 minutes, 52 seconds. Apollo 16, now 807 nautical miles downrange, 92 nautical miles in altitude. Velocity now reading uh, 21,642 feet per second. Stand by for mode 4 capability. Mark, you have mode 4 now. Okay, there was uh, S2 shut down. Roger. And we have an S4B ignition. Mark, 10 minutes, 30 seconds. This is good on the S4B. Roger. The uh, young crew has used up two-thirds of their Saturn stages on the way to orbit. Uh, we see good performance on the third stage, the S4B. 
That uh, Mode 4 report says Apollo 16 can achieve orbit on spacecraft power only. Nine minutes, uh, 50 seconds, Apollo 16, 93 nautical miles in altitude, uh, 1,011 nautical miles downrange. Velocity now reading at 23,654 feet per second. Mark, uh, 10 minutes, 18 seconds, a status check in mission control uh, for orbit. Uh, Apollo 16, Houston, your go for orbit. Uh, predicted cutoff, 1-1 one, one plus 4-9-er. Roger, 11.49. Mark, 10 minutes, 40 seconds. A predicted time of shutdown, 11 minutes, uh, 49 seconds. Apollo 16, now 93 nautical miles in altitude, 1,192 nautical miles downrange. Mark, 11 minutes, uh, showing a buildup in velocity now, reading uh, 24,621 feet per second and accelerating. Mark, 11 minutes, 10 seconds. Velocity now reading at 24,887 feet per second. 98% of the desired speed uh, for insertion into orbit. Less than 20 seconds now from time of shutdown. Mark, 11 minutes, 40 seconds. Apollo 16, now 1,400 nautical miles downrange. Zico, right on. That was shut down uh, right on the money. Pitch one is coming off. Roger. Mark, uh, 12 minutes, 25 seconds. Houston, the range safety system is safe. The orbit is go. Roger, boy, it's just beautiful up here looking out the window. It's just really fantastic. And the thing worked like a champ. Sure did. Here we copy now 62, and uh, your orbit by radar is 95 by 90. Mark, uh, 12 minutes, 54 seconds. That enthusiastic report from orbit was from spacecraft commander John Young. Apollo 16 in uh, what appears to be a safe orbit. Uh, preliminary numbers show a 94 or 95 nautical miles by 90 nautical miles. The uh, Saturn V, once again, an apparent victor in its uh, tug-of-war struggle uh, with the Earth's uh, forces of gravity. We're at uh, 13 minutes, uh, 20 seconds, ground elapsed time, and Apollo 16 is in orbit. From orbit, Duke looked out his window and could see the west coast of Africa approaching. There was a giant storm system way off to the north. Minutes later, they hurtled into darkness, and he could see brilliant displays of lightning in numerous thunderstorms penetrating the blackness. It was incredibly beautiful, these storms lighting up the clouds 95 miles below them. Well, we're just starting to come into darkness now, and the sunset is just as beautiful as always in this space business. John said over the radio to Capcom. He had seen these sunsets before, of course, in Gemini and Apollo. They settled in to configure the spacecraft and check that everything was functioning normally. At the same time, taking off their helmets and gloves while keeping on the rest of their spacesuit. They were now in zero gravity, and Duke could sense the uniqueness of weightlessness. They unstrapped from their couches for the first time and began to float around the cockpit to get acclimated to this new environment. John and Ken had no difficulty whatsoever adjusting to zero gravity. They had a wonderful time bouncing around. But not Charlie. He was about to vomit. He knew if he moved very quickly, he was going to get sick. But the sickness did not last long and within an hour, he was bouncing around like the others. Hey, Charlie, look at this, John said excitedly. He rolled over, and right out the window was the city of Houston. 
They could see Galveston Island and Galveston Bay, the freeways leading into Houston, the Johnson Space Center, and even the runway at Ellington Air Force Base. Duke's final peak at Houston was all the sightseeing he had time for before they left Earth orbit and headed for the moon. They had to stow their helmets and gloves, break out some checklists, unstow a camera, configure the TV camera for the undocking and lunar module join up, and complete various other tasks. Charlie's job was to monitor the radio and electrical and environmental systems and to copy pages and pages of data from Houston. Then, just under an hour into the flight, as the crew prepared for translunar injection, the firing of the S-4 booster to send them toward the moon, Capcom Gordon Fullerton informed them of a possible problem. Uh, John, this is Houston. If uh, there's nothing startling to report about the ride, we'd rather hold off. We're watching, uh, uh, we're evaluating a need for a possible uh, IU-NAV update and also uh, we're seeing some pressure, overpressure in EPS module number two. Uh, we'll give you a full story on that over Honeysuckle. Okay, I, uh, no, there's nothing uh, really spectacular uh, different uh, to report on the ride. We'll hold off on that. Okay. Apollo Control, Houston. Uh, the reg pressure referred to there was on one of the uh, attitude uh, control engines. Uh, uh, readings here on the ground indicate it's about 100 uh, psi above the normal. We're at uh, 57 minutes of ground elapsed time, uh, continuing to monitor uh, on this pass. Uh, this is Apollo Control, Houston. Houston was referring to a rate pressure reading on one of the S-4B's attitude control engines, a reading that showed that the APS, or Auxiliary Propulsion System, module number two, was having some sort of regulator failure that was causing the booster to lose some of the system's helium. More details arrived from Houston a few minutes later. Evidently, APS module number two, the one on top of the vehicle that would cause it to pitch away from the earth, the primary helium regulator there had failed and the backup wasn't regulating properly. Normally, it should hold about 190 PSI. This pressurizes both fuel and oxidizer. The pressure had gradually increased up to 320 PSI. There was a relief valve which would relieve helium pressure at 325 PSI and reseat when the pressure went back down to 225 PSI. There should be a gradual loss of helium. What all this meant was if they in fact lost all that system's helium, Young was going to have to control the S-4B's inertial reference system manually for the full five-and-a-half-minute translunar injection burn to keep them on the correct lunar path. Of course, Young had done this many times in the simulator, but he was not exactly looking forward to handling such extensive manual control. This would be a real test of Young and his crew's skill set. 
They would find out if manual control was necessary in 42 minutes. In the meantime, the crew prepared for it. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 356 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 16, Climb to Orbit. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. Our next episode is scheduled to be released on February 4th. If you are looking for old episodes of the podcast, the first 181 are available on the Archive podcast. Search for Space Rocket History Archive. It should be available on most podcatchers. Okay, had a few afterthoughts on this episode. I am delighted to report we are nearing the 8th anniversary of my two-year podcast. <laughs> In case you didn't know, I really only expected to spend a couple of years on this endeavor. But sometimes it's hard to stop something you really like doing. And I got a lot more detail than I initially planned. Anyway, the 8th anniversary is February 13th. It's been a wonderful experience and I have become friends with many of you. And it's been just a great blessing to both me and Caroline, Mrs. SRH. We will have something special for the episode after the 13th. I I guess that would be the episode 358 that will be released on February 18th. Anyway, eight years. That's nothing to sneeze about. (laughs) Mrs. SRH has been working long hours getting the new donors page ready. I think it's almost done. So if you could check it out and make sure your name is at the right level and you have the correct number of emojis, we don't want to shortchange anybody. We would really appreciate it. If there is a problem, don't hesitate to let us know. We want it to be right, okay? Just feel free to email me, mike at spacerockethistory.com. Now, regarding the episode... I debated and I talked it over with Mrs. SRH on how to present the audio clips for this Climb to Orbit. Uh, To me, and also to her, it was more interesting when I interrupt the clip with some details. But I also like, and I know many of you like, hearing the whole thing uninterrupted. So I decided to just do it both ways and gave those who wanted the opportunity to skip ahead if they didn't want to hear it the second time. Hope that worked out favorably for you. Most of these comments that I was going through were from Charlie Duke's book, and I really enjoy his perspective. He's kind of a Jimmy Stewart, George Bailey type character, if you remember George Bailey. (laughs) A real common man, or as... The science fiction author, Douglas Adams, might say, 
He's just this guy, you know. Hey, how about that John Young? Heartbeat at that controlled explosion of liftoff. 70. (laughs) Can you believe that? I know he's done it before, but come on. Give me at least an 85 or something. (laughs) And did you hear some of those Rogers he gave back? It was like, Roger, Roger. (laughs) I thought we were going to have to wake him up. (laughs) Man, what a cool customer he was. A true steely-eyed missile man. Well, I ended this one on a cliffhanger just to make sure you would download the next time. (laughs) So, find out, will Johan Young have to take manual control of that S4B? (laughs) Find out next time. Lastly, in our personal life, we have been extremely busy on our new project that we refuse to reveal. (laughs) At least we're holding it for a later date. Now, why do I not want to reveal it? Here's the reason I don't want to. I don't want to in case things don't go as planned and we wind up looking ridiculous. (laughs) So I'm uh, sort of stalling on revealing this. It has nothing to do with the podcast, so some of you won't be interested anyway. But a lot of you will. So be patient. I'll reveal One day, unless everything turns into catastrophe, then (laughs) you may never know. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Over the last fortnight, we had several new contributions and increases. I would like to thank Tim R. from Canada, who donated at the mere ISS level. Wayne and Naomi Holmes from Washington donated at the Apollo level and earned the coveted Nova emoji. Greg G. from Australia donated at the Apollo level and also earned a Nova emoji. Jim E. from Ohio donated at the Apollo level and earned a shooting star emoji. Gary A. donated at the Apollo level and earned a moon emoji. Paul K. from Wisconsin donated at the Gemini level and earned an alien emoji. David D. from Portland, Maine donated at the Gemini level and earned a satellite emoji. Robert N. donated at the Soyuz level and earned a shooting star emoji. Judith J. donated at the Mercury level and earned a galaxy emoji. Felix K. donated at the Mercury level and earned a moon emoji. Edward R. from Georgia donated at the Mercury level and earned a moon emoji. Dancy S. from Mississippi donated at the Mercury level and earned a rocket emoji. Ken W. from Georgia pledged on Patreon at the Orion level and earned a rocket emoji. Andrew R. from Michigan pledged on Patreon at the shuttle level and earned a galaxy emoji. Larry S. pledged on Patreon at the Apollo level and earned a shooting star emoji. Mark N. pledged on Patreon at the Mercury level. Julio A. pledged on Patreon at the Bostock level and earned an alien emoji. Andrea J. pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level, and Armin H. pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level. Our total Patreon donors are at 258. Oh my goodness, I think that is a record. Could this be the year 
we reach our goal of 300 Patreon donors. It might be. Our total donors for 2021 have reached 271, and our goal is 500 by the end of the year. Now, here's Mrs. SRH with this episode's donor giveaway. Thanks, Mike. Hello, SRH friends. The winner for this episode will get the choice of a Space Rocket History Magnet, or two stickers, or two static clings, or two holographic stickers, or the SRH Archive Magnet. With the help of Google's random number generator, I selected Colm Atkins. Colm Atkins, if you would email us, mike at spacerockethistory.com, tell us your address and your SRH prize preference, we will get this out to you. Sincere thanks to all who contributed thus far in 2021. My sources for this episode were NASA, Failure is Not an Option by Gene Krantz, Moonwalker by Charlie Duke, Forever Young by John Young, Apollo 16 Flight Journal, the Internet Archive, and Wikipedia. And that's it for today. I'll try to have episode 357 posted by February 4th, 2021. Stay healthy, everyone, and so long for now.